Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome back to season three of Grassroots Radio. I am your host, Yannick Bird, and this week I'm presenting an interview with my little brother, Eden Bird, the cannabis connoisseur. Eden studied chemistry, biochemistry, and botany, and he applies his scientific training to the study of the cannabis plant and its various medicinal applications. Given his vast knowledge in this area, this interview spans a lot of different topics. We talk about different methods of consuming cannabis and their relative safety. We get into some of the molecular stuff as well. And we talk about the potential for the medical cannabis industry in Antigua and Barbuda and what it could do for young scientists, especially who struggle in the job market traditionally. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you are a frequent listener and you do enjoy this podcast, typically, please consider leaving us a review, a five-star rating, and make sure that you are subscribed on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you happen to be getting your podcast from. And now here's Eden to tell you who he is. Yes, good evening. I'm Eden Bird. I'm 31 years old. I am a chemist, microbiologist, and a cannabis connoisseur. What do you mean by cannabis connoisseur? Okay, a cannabis connoisseur, what I mean by that is I am vastly knowledgeable about cannabis consumption, its chemistry, and the different ways the plant can be used to benefit um, ourselves and the society. You know? Cool. How did you get into studying cannabis as, I mean, not just a recreational drug, but getting into the deeper side of it, like you're saying, the biology and the chemistry of it? Um, cannabis has never really been a stranger to me. I mean, growing up in Antigua, we all know of the, you know, the local Rastaman who, Bonnie Herb, and, you know, the boys on the corner. So it's been around me from since I was a child. My neighbors used to consume it a lot. So the smoke would always blow up by our house and, you know, parents would warn us, you know, you know, don't use drugs, don't smoke any herb. <laughs> but as I got older and it was actually when I, well, when I went off to university, I had my first experience with cannabis and a very good friend of mine was the one who kind of introduced me to it and what he did, he was, he explained to me, okay, you know, it's not really the evil devil's lettuce as what our parents painted <laughs> to be as. So he said that, you know, he uses it um, on a daily basis and he still gets through his duties. He still performs at his job. He still gets his studies done. It's really about moderation and how much, you know, how much you use it without mm-hmm. using it. Right. So up until that point, had you, would you say that you bought into the idea that it was the devil's lettuce, as you say? Uh, I would say up to maybe during my teenage years, I kind of saw it as, you know, the evil that my parents painted to me. And I was like, okay, you know, that's what some guys would do. It's not really my thing, but I'm not really knocking it. So you know, I started to get a different perspective on cannabis 
when I went off to university. And at that point, well, I must say, like, I was introduced to it by smoking. And mm-hmm. that was when I experienced, you know, the relaxing, the calming effects of it, as well as, you know, um, the euphoric high that it's so um, popular. Right. So it was an instant hit for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. In a sense. And so at this time you were, you're in university. Where did you study and what did you study? First, well, the first time I tried it, I was in Italy at the time. And we were just learning the Italian language, but that program went bad. So came back home, back to Antigua. And then about a year later, I got put on to, I got accepted to another university, which was Midwestern State University in Texas. And there I did my bachelor's degree in molecular biology with a minor in chemistry. Okay, so you're a real scientist. Yes. You're not just a person who loves smoke weed, (laughs) you know, kind of playing around with things. Not at all. Like, science has been my love since I was a child. I remember, like I always said, I wanted to be a scientist when I grew up. So, you know, that naturally curious curiosity, I've always had it in me. And, you know, it's just amazing that, you know, my life kept me along that pathway. And now I'm just using that science to explore a plan that I really like. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me a bit about Cannabis, the plant, and why it's so attractive to you from the medicinal perspective as someone who is a scientist. The first thing that I want to touch on, on why I find this plant so interesting is, okay, so when we break it down and we study it, there are over 400 different um, chemical compounds in the cannabis plant. And... Um, A certain group of these compounds are called cannabinoids. Now, our bodies, every human body, has what's called an endocannabinoid system. And within this system, there are receptors for these cannabinoids. Now, our body makes makes, um, a particular molecule Uh, well, what we were called endocannabinoids, but they are also, um, these molecules that our bodies make, they are homologs of the same compounds that are found in the cannabis plant. So the reason why when you smoke a, a marijuana joint or if you ingest a marijuana edible, the reason why you feel that sedation or that euphoria, that relaxation is because your body was built and designed to accept and receive these chemicals. Interesting. In um, psychology, you would call that an acceptation. Like you have a system that's built for something else and then another function kind of comes on and gets layered on top of it. Um, So these endocannabinoids that are normally made by our bodies, what is the function of them normally? Okay, so... These endocannabinoids, um, the most common one is called anandamide. And there's uh, another secondary one is that they refer to as 2-AG. So these cannabinoids, what they do, they help the body to 
um, regulate certain processes, like it helps in controlling um, like the pH of your blood, your body temperature, um, your pain response, and your motor coordinations. So basically, it helps to maintain um, homeostasis, which is the natural environment in your body that allows you to function at an optimum level. And what we find is that if, um, let's say, for example, um, your pain, your response to pain, um, or you're, you're experiencing a lot of chronic pain, so when you, when you ingest cannabis or a cannabis product, the cannabinoids, the THC, the CBD, within the, the, um, the extract of the cannabis, these find their way into the receptors in your endocannabinoid system. And that's why once, once they bind to these receptors, you start to feel the, the, um, the effects. You feel your pain being melted away you find that your anxiety starts to alleviate from your body and you're able to calm down and relax. So that's the way that, you know, the, the, the cannabinoids in the cannabis plant interact with your body to help you get the, the desired effects that you're looking for. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the way that all drugs kind of function, whether it's, you know, a natural plant-based drug or pharmaceuticals that are manufactured, they all do this kind of binding to your receptors in your body. Right, exactly. Um, I find this, this case um, especially um, interesting because the, the name of the system itself is, you know, is um, patterned from the cannabis plant. It's, mm-hmm. So it's like we have a little cannabis system inside our bodies. So I find that really interesting. Hmm. Do you know why the name is of the cannabis convention? Like, <laughs> um, is it just that they discovered the system because of the drug, and so it got named kind of retroactively? Yes, indeed, that's exactly what happened. Okay. So they were after um, they were studying. They were trying to isolate the 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 most common active compounds, which is. Um, THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, and um, CBD, cannabidiol. So um, they isolated these compounds in around 1969. And after they were looking into it, it was um, after they looked into how it interacted in the body, it was an Israeli organic chemist by the name of Raphael. Um, McCallum, I hope I'm saying his name right. So he was the one that isolated the THC and the CBDs. And they realized that the, the receptors that they interact with in our bodies, there's also a molecule that our own body generates, which was the anandamide that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. When they look at the, the structures of anandamide and THC, they're like almost exactly similar. So they decided to name um, the systems and these molecules that interact in that endocannabinoid system, they decided to call them endocannabinoids. And, and like I said, these compounds are only found within the cannabis plant. And they named a body system entirely off of it. So it's a pretty interesting fact. Yeah. Factoid. 
okay, so can I get all these great benefits from, you know, cannabis by smoking it? Some you can. Some of it you can. Okay, so first let's talk about the different methods of consumption. All right. All right, so first off, most common is smoking. Everybody's familiar with that. Um, you also have vaping. There are actually two types of vaping. You can have a liquid vaporizer, which would be your vaporizing a liquid extract of cannabis. But that has gotten some, um, you know, bad. It got a lot of bad press, I believe, in the U.S. because um, people were buying these like illegal marijuana cartridges that would fit into a regular tobacco pen. And like, I think some teenagers died. Yes. So it was like black market um, cartridges being... China. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some of them were contaminated with like vitamin E oil and different pesticides. Right. And it was given um, a lot of teenagers like long complications and long diseases. And like you said, some people actually died. Mm -hmm. That got like a real bad light in most of 2019. So um, if you do decide to vape, I would advise like sticking to a dry herb vaporizer as opposed to, you know, um, vaporizing liquids that you don't know what's in these liquids. So smoking and vaping would be the quickest ways of getting um, the cannabis into your system. When you inhale the smoke, it diffuses from your lungs into your bloodstream. And then from your bloodstream, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, where it then interacts with your brain and your central nervous system. And that's when you're able to get defects. So um, with smoking and vaping, you can experience effects within seconds to possibly, you know, just a few minutes of your first few inhales. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, so that will get you high. Will it help with pain if you have pain smoking? It does. It does um, help with pain. So we find people who have conditions, well, conditions where they experience chronic pain. That's one of the biggest, um, the biggest reasons we perform from people wanting to use medical marijuana. So what other medicinal benefits can you achieve through, you know, inhaling the cannabis product? So um, through inhalation, you also get relief from muscle spasms. Um, People with Parkinson's disease or multiple sclerosis can attest to this, that it really um, calms down the nerves, quote unquote, Rastaman will tell you that, Mm-hmm. And you know it stops the, the the shaking of the hands, the muscles um, just passing out and vibrating. So it reduces that a lot. I have seen a video where a man with Parkinson's disease it was, and his hands were trembling so rapidly that he could barely hold the the joint and the lighter to light it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he got it lit, and he took his first puff, his first inhale. Within, it was within about a minute and a half that lapse. You see how his body calmed down, the shaking stopped, mm-hmm. able to, 
you know, speak like a normal person because it was that yeah. his speech was, you know, impaired. Wow. Yeah. And really, really a lot of the benefits you, you get it through, through um, all the different methods of consumption. Smoking, like I said, it's not really the healthiest because you're introducing smoke into your lungs. Um, smoke itself does have um, carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide, which are, you know, waste products and toxic. Mm-hmm. It's not the healthiest method, but like I said, it's the most common. So people are still going to do it. Right. And vaping would be like the healthier alternative to smoking. Correct. But still also not the best, I guess. Not the best. So what other methods can people get the cannabis into their system to obtain these good effects? All right. So next on the list, we have edibles. And um, most of us might be familiar with a chocolate brownie that has in cannabis or cookie. And here, sugar cake, a big one in Antigua. Right, sugar cakes too. So the way the way um, the edibles work, and edibles are a bit tricky, and you kind of have to approach them with respect because they will knock you down. They will knock you down. So edible cannabis. Most times it's, it's um, infused with um, a fat, a fat or an oil, because um, the, most of the cannabinoids are um, lipid-like molecules. So that means that they dissolve in fats and oils, not so readily in water. So um, let's take, for example, a chocolate brownie. You might have an weed you might have a cannabis infused oil and you use that oil to cook your brownies once you eat that brownie and it goes to your digestive system this is where edibles become um, strikingly different from smoked cannabis your liver converts the thc from its um, let's say its um, standard form which is delta 9 thc it converts it into a more potent, um, mo- <laughs> it converts it into a more potent molecule called um, 11-hydroxy-THC. Now, this 11-hydroxy-THC, it stays around much longer than the Delta-9. So, whereas you might smoke a joint and, you know, you might be feeling its effects for maybe the next two hours, if you consume, like if you eat that same amount that you that you would smoke, you might be feeling the effects for anywhere from six to eight hours. Well, some people will say, you know, they slept a whole night and wake up and still feel higher. Exactly. Like it all depends on your tolerance and how um, experienced or accustomed you are to cannabis at this point. Because for, for some people... You know, it's way too much. It comes on way more intense and it lasts way longer. And for for some people, it can be for days. I've heard people tell me that, you know, they eat a brownie and they hide for two days straight. Yeah, somebody told me that too. Same thing happened to them and they didn't intentionally take it. Yeah. Another one of the problems with edibles, right? So if you're someone who's making these products, whether it's brownies or sugar cake or 
um, gummies, stuff like that. How do you control the dosage? Very good question. And I think that's what's lacking a lot in the edibles that are sold here in Antigua. You, you buy a sugar cake from a vendor and you ask, hey, how, how strong is this? And mm-hmm. what you get is, oh, it's kind of strong. It's not so strong. It's chang, chang, chang. <laughs> you know, what is strong? It, yeah, it's relative. And cool. <laughs> right. Chang, so, chang, chang. <laughs> so in that case, um, this, is where, this is where my knowledge of, uh, as a scientist comes into play because... Um, what you should always do is like have a type of dosage system so that if you can, if you give a person a product, you can tell them, Hey, there is X amount of milligrams of THC or weed in this product. Or even if you just tell me, well, I put half of gram in this square of, of a brownie. That's better than just saying, Oh, it's kind of strong. Yeah, definitely. More information. Yeah. You can also, you can look up, you know, you can go online and see, okay, is 50 milligrams approximately how strong is that going to be for somebody who is new to edibles versus if you're somebody who's experienced and feels like you can take more. Exactly. And, you know, it kind of comes back to trust in who you're purchasing it from and the person who actually made it. For me, Personally, if I make a personal batch of edibles, I weigh out how much of the raw material that I'm going to use. You weigh it out so you, you know you have a starting material. Next, you, you have to know how many um, portions, serving portions that you're going to get out of that batch. And just by simply dividing your portion size by the amount of raw material that you're going to put into the recipe, you can have a rough idea of how much is in each individual piece. Now, what I do, I take it a step further as well. And you can just find this information by, um, you know, just doing a few Google searches online. But what would you search for? How to dose edibles. What I do now, I, I have to start with an assumption. According to, you know, the cannabis that you have, I make an assumption saying, okay, I think this might be 10% THC, according to how it smokes, because I I would have to sample it first, of course. And then you start with, you give it an estimated value. Now, they say that today's today's cannabis, the strange, the average strain that you'll come across would range maybe about 10 to 12. Well, but every year it's getting higher. So let's say maybe about 10 to 14% THC. So as a, as a base level, I would associate 10% to most of the, the, um, the cannabis that I come across. If it's like some really potent stuff, then I might say, you know, maybe 14%, 15% according to the effects that I feel when I use it. Now, it's not the most accurate way, but it's, it, it, it has worked for me and it's given me a method to consistently produce a product of the same potency. What I would really like to see happening, though, is that we could have a, um, a medical 
marijuana testing facility where we can just cut out all the guesswork and we can um, run, um, you know, quality control experiments to really find out the different cannabinoid profile of the strains that we grow here in Antigua. For sure. And I think with all the um, recent legislation being passed, I don't know if you had a chance to go through the hemp bill yet. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know if any of those kinds of um, projects are outlined in this bill? They are outlined. There is a section that talks about the testing facility. Um, it, in terms of if they're planning to implement it anytime soon, I haven't seen any recent developments. I haven't heard anything in the news that refers to that. So, okay. But it's on the table. It is on the table. And I think it's something that a lot of um, the young people, especially, um, okay. I think it's something that a lot of the young people uh, might be interested in. We have a lot of young um, scientists that are returning back home from universities, people with um, pharmacy degrees, chemistry degrees. And these are people that I can see that would fit make a good fit in a facility like this and to say that we can, you know, we can grow our own medical grade cannabis in Antigua. We can carry out the tests to tell you the, you know, um, the composition mm-hmm. of the strain because the cannabis industry is just taking off right now. And I think the government has done a really good thing to um, decriminalize it, mm-hmm. allow us to, you know, take a step back and look and see, you know, where we can move forward with, with um, our works in the cannabis arena. So it's something interesting. I see a lot of potential for it, but yeah, it's just for the government to um, put the things in place and, you know, let us know what we can do and what we can't do. Yeah. It seems to be something that they're actually moving pretty quickly on relative to a lot of other projects and legislation that people have been calling for for a long time. And I think part of the reason for that is because young people are so interested in this topic. Um, and yeah, like a lot of people see a lot of potential and it's a very good thing that it's opening up. I want to get back to the different methods of consumption in a bit, but I also wanted to ask you about Challenges that you face as like a young Antiguan who studied science and didn't go into the medical field, because you just alluded to the fact that there are other young scientists in Antigua who are returning home in the next few years and all know. And besides this like medical cannabis conversation starting to open up, what other opportunities are there or like what is it like trying being someone with a science degree and trying to navigate the job market in Antigua at present? It sure is a difficult one. Um, coming back to Antigua with a science degree, sometimes it feels like you're limited to the areas where you can seek employment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, well, I currently work at the Department of Analytical Services, and it's a, it's a government-based lab. I'm under the Ministry of Agriculture, and 
there, there we are, well, we're currently making, well, doing some renovations on the lab. The director, he is about to expand the, um, the operations that we do. So we have like a tissue culture lab that might, I didn't mean chat too much, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I don't know why people who work for government are so secretive. I just had the same thing happen with another girl. <laughs> Is that me alone? <laughs> and she ended up, it's not you alone, it's all kind of people. And I'm just like, these are government friggin' projects. <laughs> like, they're, they're public. They're supposed to be public knowledge. Anyway, <laughs> I guess it's partially because so many times, like, you start doing something in government and then it doesn't end up and it, Yeah, it doesn't pop So you're reluctant to say anything. Um, yeah. And uh, tissue culture, it's really interesting because it's how you can um, produce clones of a, of a plant. Basically, how to create genetic, genetically identical clones of one plant. And let's say that I have a plant that is resistant to drought or resistant to a certain type of pest. And you realize that it has really high fruit yield and it grows in a short time. Now, these are all desired traits mm-hmm. like for any agricultural crop. So if we can um, reproduce that plant on a wider scale, then it would be beneficial for the country on a whole. So... That's that's one of the that's basically the main idea of tissue culture, but that wasn't the question, was it? <laughs> well, I guess not, but it's an interesting direction to take it in because it kind of points to the fact that there is a lot that you can do. Like there is a lot of technology that can be developed around this industry, but then it also doesn't have to stay within that industry, like. If you learn how to clone plants because of the cannabis opportunity, well, what's stopping you from applying that to other agricultural products, right? Yes. But the question was about, I guess, the the challenging job market. Yeah, so the the job market does have its challenges. Sometimes you feel like you're limited to maybe Mount St. John's, Mm -hmm. um, uh, a biohealth lab that might, you know, be testing blood and other body fluids. It's 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 really a challenge, and well, especially within the government system, we all know how that is. Yeah, I mean, in addition to just the variety of jobs available, there's also, I would imagine, a limit on the amount of room for growth, as in getting more senior, earning more money. There's kind of a growth limit on how far you can really go. Okay, so room for growth in in the government system, it's very, it's difficult, it's slow, and it takes a lot of years to happen. But the good thing is, is that sometimes they, they will get um, contracted projects. You can use a side project to like, you know, um, further progress yourself and elevate yourself but like in terms of a promotion to move up the ladder to a higher pay grade it's pretty stagnant it's very stagnant and i haven't seen that happen in the what three 
three, four years I've been working at my establishment. You're saying no one at your establishment has been promoted in the last three years? Yeah. Damn. No one. Like we, they, they might create a new position and someone comes in, like they hire someone new to fill that position, but in right. terms of promotion going up, no. That's pretty dismal for a young person entering the workforce. Because, you know, the, the kind of North American experience, which is what a lot of us are trained to expect when we go into the job market, is, you know, every year you're getting a promotion, every two years you're getting a promotion. And it just doesn't work like that in the Antiguan government system. No. And I think in most cases, what you might have to do, you might have to um, write a letter requesting a promotion, saying, right. think you, you deserve more. And, you know, they'll, they'll look at it and if they decide, okay, agree with you then they'll approve that but i know you you gotta get on your knees and beg damn so the way to really advance yourself is to do things outside of your nine to five that you have more control over that is what i've observed and that is what i have been told as well well it's kind of good because it kind of motivates your your hustle and your entrepreneurial culture locally. Yes, and you know you really can't sit and depend on one one bread to feed your family. You have to go out there and you know make make your own ends meet. I don't know. The entrepreneurial spirit that I'm seeing a lot of young Antiguans are exhibiting is is really admirable and I'm trying to do that on my own as well too. Okay, so you have been admiring other young Antiguans who are kind of trying to hack it for themselves. And I've spoken to a lot of them on this podcast. It seems to be quite the trend. And I guess part of your little entrepreneurial endeavor is another method of consuming cannabis, which would be more of your standard medicine type products like tinctures and things like that can you for people who may not be familiar explain what these other types of medicinal cannabis compounds are and then kind of what goes into creating them so like you mentioned um there's a tincture and a tincture is what you well for me is what comes to mind when you refer to um a, a cannabis medicine so a tincture is basically a concentrated extract of cannabis infused into either an oil-based or an alcohol-based liquid. So because it's really concentrated, um, to administer it, you would just place um, a few drops. Well, according to the dosage that's on the bottle, because every medicine should have a dosage range then you would know whether you take um, one or two drops or a full milliliter. And with tinctures, how you administer this, the fastest way would be sublingually. And that means you place it under your tongue where it absorbs through the mucous membranes under your tongue and goes directly into your bloodstream. So, so after smoking, 
using a sublingual tincture would be the second fastest way to get a cannabis medicine into your body. And what the literature says about this is that it, it, um, it bypasses the liver, so it doesn't have to wait for the liver to convert it to 11-hydroxy-THC before you can feel the effects. It goes straight into your bloodstream, and once it can circulate throughout your body, you can begin feeling the effects within, um, let's say, within 30 to one hour, according to the literature. But the onset of time really varies with everyone's um, metabolism. So for some, it might be a bit sooner. Some, it might take a little longer. For me personally, it takes about 90 minutes. 90 minutes, so an hour yeah. and a half. It's always around that time in movie. So when you take a tincture under your tongue like that, because it bypasses your liver, you don't get the the same kind of high that you would with the edibles? Correct. So it's not as intense. The high would not be as intense as edibles. So look at it as like a mid-ground between smoking and edibles. So it's like... You know, just a kind of mellow balance. Not too, too strong like the edibles that would sedate you and knock you out on the couch. But, um, you know, you still have a mental clarity that you're able to function. And the good thing about using a tincture is that you can easily control your dosage by just counting how many drops you take, waiting to um, feel the effects before you, before you take more. And that's, that's kind of like a rule when using edibles or basically any form of cannabis where you're not inhaling. The rule is to start low and go slow. So if you take, if you take five drops of a tincture, you wait at least two hours, observe the effects that you're feeling. If it's satisfactory to you, then great you know that your five drops is your dose range for you to get your therapeutic benefits. If you're not getting the benefits after two hours, then it's recommended that you wait another day to try it rather than redosing at that point. Because sometimes, you know, when you're starting out, there can be a delayed effect and you don't want to take more and then everything hits you at one time and then you feel overwhelmed. So... Start low, go slow on the next day. If you want to take seven drops or eight drops, then you do that and you wait your two hours before you decide to take any more. Sounds like a reasonable way to approach the drug. Yes, because it is medicine and, you know, you don't want to... Um. Well, they say that you can't overdose on cannabis, but if you ingest too much, you are going to have a bad time. You, you start to feel paranoid. Um, you might feel anxious. and Well, a lot of people say they feel like they're going to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, it's true. You are going to die, just not because of the edibles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because we're all going to die, right? Yep, we're and all going to die. Yeah, so if you, if you consume too much, then these are the, then you start to see the negative 
um, side effects coming out and you know that can be the paranoia and some people say that they feel their heart racing really fast and they get racing thoughts you get the dry mouth that they call cotton mouth mm-hmm. eyes the eyes get really really red and dry so you know it's just to be on the safe side and not to have that type of bad experience start with a low dose and then you can always work your way up to something higher to where you feel comfortable So throughout the conversation at different times you kind of alluded to having respect for the drug or you know you've kind of alluded in different ways to the fact that there's kind of a spiritual component to this for you and knowing you personally because I am your sister <laughs> I've kind of seen the um, the transformation I guess I would say in you since you've become acquainted <laughs> With cannabis. <laughs> True, yes. <laughs> Without a doubt, yeah. And a lot of people have told me that as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's that journey been like for you? Um, let, me, let me start by quoting, you know, the great Bob Marley. So he said that the, the herb reveals yourself to you. And it really has a... It's a spiritual herb and it it puts you in a type of meditative headspace that allows you to analyze your life and not only just your life, but like almost anything from a different perspective that you may not have looked at it one before. Me personally, it, it kind of opened my mind to let's say, spirituality on a whole, the nature of God. And uh, it made me realize that there is so much, so much out there that we still don't know. And a lot of it, we don't know because we fear it. So how it really impacted my life is that it kind of set me on this quest for knowledge. And... uh, since then, I've always had this thirst for learning about things that I've, like, like anything that's new to me. I love watching documentaries. And uh, um, especially when it comes to religion and how other cultures around the world view God, it's, it, it's so interesting to me. And I must credit that, that um, curiosity to cannabis. And uh, that thirst has kind of led me to interact with so many different people of different cultures and we always have you know open-minded discussions and conversations that really you know it really um expand my understanding of you know just the whole human experience and how we connect with each other and God so that's another amazing thing about cannabis is that it, it connects people anywhere you go you go anywhere, you, you, you pull out a joint to smoke. Some <laughs> you and say, hey man, what you got there? You jerk, and boom. That's a connection. That's a conversation right there. That's a friend. Yeah, it, it, it really has that spiritual 
um, aspect to it. And if you if if you open your mind, it 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 will show you. <laughs> it will show you what you need to. Okay, that kind of so he be like a kind of druggy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess what would be your response to someone who thinks this is all like, you know, frou-frou nonsense, you're wasting your time. This is energy that you could be putting into, I don't know, your studies or something. What would be your response to that kind of criticism? You want to smoke a joint with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think but... that's a good answer. <laughs> But but really, um, the people who approach it from from that angle, I see them as having a mental block in their head. For me, it's hard to reason with somebody with that type of mindset because they they're not opening their mind to understanding from your perspective or your angle, and th- there's no room for learning. There's no room for for understanding. And really, I would say to them, live and let live. Let each man walk his own path and travel along his own journey. Because, I mean, everybody free to their own religion or spirituality. And if somebody decides that, you know, they can find their meaning of life, or deeper understanding or appreciation of life through, you know, another method outside of the church. I mean, once it's not hurting or harming anybody else, why should it be a problem to you? Just let people be. Yep. And I think with that, we've kind of put the wrap on you as a person comprehensively. You're a man of science. You're a man of spirit. <laughs> so if we want to keep up with all your various pursuits and your activities, where would be the best place for us to find you online? That would be my Instagram, which is um, at dabird, D-A-B-I-R-D-268. And um, I also have, well, with some other business associates, we have a page where we sell vaporizers, you can purchase your dry herb vaporizers if you want to get away from smoking. The name of the page is Vape and Smoke 268. On Instagram, you can check that out. Awesome. Eden, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have you on. It was fun having me. Thanks a lot, sis. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grassroots Radio. If you enjoyed the conversation, show some love and help spread the word. You can do that by subscribing on Apple, Google, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Already subscribed? Consider leaving a five-star review. It helps other people find the show. If you have an idea for someone you want to see featured or a topic you want us to cover, let us know. DM us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at grassrootsanu or email us at thenewgrassroots at gmail.com. For more about NGR, visit us at thenewgrassroots.com. 
Until next time, this is Grassroots Radio.